Now, we are delighted uh, this morning to have our first guest here in studio this morning, uh, a man well known to everybody, and uh, in, in certainly around East Clare, and that is Bishop Willie Walsh. Bishop Walsh, good morning, and you're very welcome to Scarif Bay Community Radio. Good morning to you, John. Nice to, to see you again. We, we used to see each other in school setting uh, over the years. That's oh, right. Nice to be with you. Particularly at confirmation time. Indeed. And uh, indeed. Yes, we have indeed. The, the cup of tea afterwards and Tom as well being yes. involved in, in Scarif. The yeah. board of management in Scarif yes, for years. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us anyway, Bishop, um, first of all, how are you keeping? Well, I say I, I use the phrase, I'm very well for an old fellow. <laughs> uh, but uh, I am, I'm keeping very well, you know, for my age. I'm... Uh, well into the second half of the se- of the 80s now and uh, thank God I, 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 my health is extremely good uh, all the time I haven't pain or ache and I'm sufficiently able to take a walk a walk or two every day and of course I still drive and that sort of thing so no I'm very health- I'm very lucky health wise yeah. uh, Tell us where are you? Where do you? Let's go back to maybe the, your your early days. What part of the okay. world are you from? Yeah, I'm from Ross Gray. I'm a native of Ross Gray, uh, born and reared. Uh, lived about three miles outside Ross Gray and the Temple Moor direction. Uh, went to uh, primary school in in Ross Gray. Um, worked. At, my dad was a farming uh, and uh, you know we had a, you know a reasonably good life uh, growing up uh, we we weren't short uh, even during the, the the second world war when things were rationed and all that sort of thing the uh, the good thing about growing up on the farm was there was never any shortage of food or anything like that uh, so um, I, I would say overall my home was a happy one. We didn't ask that question at that time. Of course. You, know, <laughs> uh, that's, that's, uh, you just accepted life as it was. Um, I suppose strongly, I'd say a strongly Catholic home. Um, and then uh, the, I went to school, uh, then secondary school as a boarder in St. Flannan's. Um, that wasn't quite as comfortable as home, <laughs> I can tell you. But um, I suppose in lots of ways, the big thing that kept me going in it anywhere for five years was the the um, the hurling and that sort of thing. It was the 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 big diversion. Uh, I always think that it must have been uh, kind of miserable if you weren't uh, into games or that sort of thing. Uh, you know, but uh, certainly hurling made up for for um, a lot of the difficulties. Also, of course, made uh, friendships there. Just a small number, which have lasted a, a lifetime, and which uh, you know have been very precious and enriching. Um, so, um, at the end of that, uh, I suppose I was I was reasonably good. Uh, uh, to study and that sort of thing academically I got on reasonably well uh, at the age of uh, 
what was it, 17, I started to leave in cert. And from there I went on to uh, Maynooth uh, to study for priesthood. Did you, did you realise at an early age that that was the direction you wanted to go? No, I would say definitely no. Um, uh, that I, it was only on my very last year in Flannans that I decided to go on for priesthood. Up to then I had been thinking of uh, engineering was was the one I was particularly interested in because I was particularly interested in maths and physics in that area. Uh, so, um, so, but it was only my last year. Of course, it would have occurred to me up and down, uh, but the whole atmosphere at that time, I sometimes used to, when I was bishop and visiting secondary schools, I used to shock the students by saying that 55 of us did the leaving in Flannans in 1952. Of that 55, I think it was 21 or 2 who began studying for priesthood the, the next autumn. Um, because the whole world in which we lived, both the home and the parish and the wider community, the message certainly that we were getting as teenagers was that the best possible thing you could do with your life was to become a priest uh, or equally uh, for the girls to enter a convent. So there was a whole, the whole environment was prompting you to. So it was inevitable I'd say at that, I'd say, at that time I'd say 95% of the of young people who came up say to leave and cert, I would say 95% of them at least would have given some thought to the possibility of becoming a priest. Um, you know, so, uh, so uh, all of those things would have influenced that uh, decision to go and study for the priesthood. Yeah. So I, I found myself in the news, 1952, in the autumn of 52. I spent three years there, did a primary degree in science. And then uh, Bishop Rogers at the time said that he would like me to go to Rome to uh, continue study in theology. Um, just again, in sort of figures you're talking about, when I went into Minute, there were something, there were close to 600 students studying really? the priesthood. Really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, now there are something like 25. Uh, so you can see an enormous uh, drop in numbers and that sort of thing. And not only, of course, were there 600 in Maynooth, but there were large numbers in a number of other seminaries like Carlow and Turles and Waterford and Kearns and Kenny. And, yeah. 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 So it was very much part of it. Um, I went to, to Rome then and I spent, well, I spent four years studying theology in Rome uh, and then I was ordained in 59, 1959, and I went back to Rome afterwards for postgraduate studies for three years. Uh, spent um, Rome was was to me was a great experience. I, I think that I I was I suppose grew up. 
my my uh, growing up was very traditional. I was, I would say, I was quite conservative uh, as a student in the news, and would have been very ah, would have been fairly compliant with rules and all that sort of thing. I think Rome. <laughs> Gave me a bit of freedom, <laughs> you know. The Italians had a great. Uh, the Italians always professed to be cattolico, non fanatico. Yeah. Uh, uh, there was uh, there was a great. I uh, I love I loved Italy and love Italians and love going back to Italy. Not necessarily to Rome. In fact. Uh, any chance I'd get at all, I'd go back more northern Italy, Tuscany, and areas like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I just uh, I I have a great feel for them. There's a certain freedom about them. Uh, I think that maybe we lacked here. Um, sometimes we say Rome makes the rules and we obey them. Uh, you know, there is a lovely freedom about the Italians. Yeah. They don't stick as tightly to rules as no, we do. No, they do not. They do not. Uh, sometimes, sometimes I think it's a miracle that that country doesn't come to a halt because somehow they, uh, you know, they, they, they wave the arms uh, and, and uh, kind of, you know, don't get too excited about it. Uh, that's kind of their style. Uh, but... Um, but it was a lovely experience, and then I came back, uh, did the higher diploma, and was appointed teaching in Flannans. Back in Flannans again. Back in Flannans again. And uh, I never agreed that school days were the best days of your life. <laughs> I always thought that teaching was far more pleasurable than being a student. Uh, and I have to say, I... I I regarded teaching as a privilege and, and I enjoyed it and uh, made great friends with staff and students and uh, and I think I was lucky going into Flannans at that stage, the 60s, 60s, the world was beginning to open up and, uh, you know, and, and, and there was a gradual, I think, uh, again, the whole thing of freedom, whole students' movement. Um, you know, they, they, I sometimes refer to them affectionately. Uh, in the second half of the 60s, the angry young men who were about to, to change the world and who, uh, you know, we had great uh, discussions both inside and outside the classroom about issues like social justice, uh, you know, all these things. Um, I'd have to say later on, 70s, particularly in the 80s, I think students were more eager to to get on top of the world rather than to get, to get to the top of the world rather than change the world. Better the world, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think there was a great uh, movement. I remember one time meeting a... Uh, he was a past student of Flannan's, actually. And he said, what are you doing down there in Flannan's? He said, every protest that's up here at the university, there's a few Flannan's fellas in the front of it. <laughs> and I, 
I said to him, I said, I, I think that's a compliment to Flannels. I said that, you know, that there, of course, there was a whole student movement across the world at that time. Uh, there was uh, in in California, and uh, there was the Make Love Not War, and uh, and the 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 um, the riots, the student riots in Paris, That's and right, so on. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there, there was a whole. I'd have to say, being one of those students who was in Flannels in the late sixties, yes, <laughs> um, there was say under Canon Cuddy, yes, there seemed to be a quite a liberal attitude. Um, that there was a, a good bit of freedom uh, and yeah. it, maybe responsibility was thrust upon students yeah. as well. Yeah. And we had things like um, discos with the Kalashta and yeah. various things yeah. like that, yeah. which would have been unheard of years before. Yeah, yeah. yeah there was, Jim. It's nice. It's not, I always like to, to hear past students uh, saying that their memories are reasonably good of it. Uh, no doubt d different students will have different memories. Uh, but I think there was, I always thought that John Cuddy, the president, uh, was, there was something extraordinary about him. He was very conservative, traditional John Cuddy himself. But he was always open to, if there was a consensus among the staff that something should be done, uh, he was a great listener and would do it even against his own instincts. I think that's what I admired about the man, that by instinct he was quite conservative, uh, but he was prepared to listen and was open to new ideas and that sort of thing. Yes. Uh, and I suppose we were lucky as well. Free education came and we had a, a fine uh, influx of lay of new young lay teachers That's right. and I think they had a major influence on on kind of opening up the the whole the whole thing how many students were in Flannels at that time can you remember roughly you know? that time uh, when I was a student there were about 250 maybe 200 borders yeah. and 50. Now, that began to change gradually. When I went back as a teacher, there were, um, I'd say, around 400. Yeah. So it would then be 200 borders and 200 day-bys. And gradually, as the years went on, it became... I mean, when I was there, it was a boarding school with a small number of uh, day-bys. Gradually, it became... Uh, a day school with a small number of boarders. Yeah, yeah. I suppose one of the things about the boarding school, and I was sad when I saw it, when it was closing, I was involved in the closing of it, because it was, uh, I suppose it was too difficult, became too difficult to run a boarding school. Uh, and But there was a variety about it. I mean, we talk about the richness of of different cultures, and there is no doubt there was a, uh, a variety about the. I suppose the main groups were West Clare, East Clare, North Prairie. Then you'd have a scatter from Limerick and from Offaly and that. But I think that was enriching. Now, it, it led to difficulties at times too. Uh, there would be, you know, I remember as a student, I don't know whether it lasted, I don't think it lasted your time, Jim. 
when there'd be a match between Clare students and North Tipperary students. And that, I know at one stage in my time it was banned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because the authorities had to step in because it became, oh, it became nasty. Um, Too competitive, yeah. Yeah. In uh, our time, it was gay boys versus boarders. So there were all yes, sorts of games, yes, one against the other. Yes, yeah, there would. But I think there was a, a rich variety about yeah, it, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's not to say there isn't a rich variety. I love the, 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 the local community school where every young person from the area, all of them are together in the one school. Boys and girls, uh, whatever, different parishes and so on. I think that brings a certain unity to an area, uh, you know. So, And, of course, the whole schooling thing has developed so much since... I mean, when I left primary school to go to Flannan's, I would imagine there were only five or six of us who went on to secondary school. You know, yeah, and, and the, the majority of the others, I would say, I'd say at least half the others had to emigrate, uh, you know, were emigrated. At a young age, you Well, at 15, 16, that yeah. sort of thing, you yeah. know. Yeah. But I suppose the free education, uh, you know, we yep. talked about that in this area here where in the mid-60s, John S. Kelly was involved in, yes. in setting up the primary yeah, school right. here. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, free education came in and secondary schools became more... They did, uh, yeah, they did. Available. And there's no doubt that the free education thing uh, made an enormous difference to, this, to the country as a whole. There's no doubt about it. I think it was the most important uh, reform in education since the foundation of the state. Yeah. Can you remember um, the day you heard you were going to become bishop? Can I remember the day I heard? Or how you felt when, yeah. when the news yeah. came for, for you. This, I, you hadn't applied for the job, had you? <laughs> had you applied for the job? Sent <laughs> 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 in your CV. <laughs> no, I wasn't that crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the day, I suppose, I got a phone call from the from the nunciature in Dublin. Maybe I wasn't that surprised because I suppose some fellow clergy would have, uh, you see, Bishop Michael Harty was talking for a good while that he wanted that he wanted a co-juror. He had been 26 or seven years in the job. And that he was definite that he didn't want to go on to 75. He was 71. One at the time. He didn't want to go on to 75 and that he was going to apply for uh, a co-juicer. And, you know, while a share of my fellow, my colleagues would have, you know, been saying to me, oh, you're on the line there, kind of. So I wasn't that surprised that... Uh, that uh, the that I got a call from the nuncio, uh, and you know when I heard that the nuncio wanted to talk to me, I ah I I knew that it was about about that, um, and uh, the strange thing is. <laughs> I really shouldn't be telling this, but... Uh, <laughs> There's no one listening to anyone yourselves, you know. <laughs> I, 
the nuncio asked me to come and see him and would I come and see him the following Thursday and I said certainly uh, I will and uh, time and so on and then I put down the phone and I said that's the last training session we have uh, we were to play Kerry uh, I was involved with Len Gaynor at the time and, yes. the, and Gerald McNan uh, and uh, we have to play Kerry in the semi-final on Sunday uh, now, not that I didn't think we'd beat Kerry but, but I didn't want to give the impression to players that this wasn't an important event uh, so I, I took up the phone again and I uh, said to the nuncio that uh, I asked to, to, to talk to the nuncio and I said to him uh, you know, would it be all right if I didn't go on Thursday, if I'd go the following Monday, uh, that I had a significant appointment on Thursday? <laughs> and, uh, and so he um, he said I was fine. No, I wasn't going to tell the nuncio. What the significant appointment was. <laughs> was. Um, so I went on, uh, on the Monday to see him. We, we beat Kerry and then this got destroyed in the, the Munster final. But anyway... Um, uh, I went to see him the following Sunday or Monday and we had a chat. He told me fairly quickly that the, that, uh, the Pope wanted me appointed as he had approved my appointment as uh, being Bishop of Killaloo. I had an honest chat with him then that, you know, that I, I um, uh, had some reservations and worries about it that uh, you know that I had some question marks uncertainties about some areas of church teaching uh, you know things like um, uh, areas where say people in second unions in marriage had some question marks about or stand on family planning, um, sexual orientation, and so on. And he didn't seem to take... The, I said, you know, I said, uh, I have, I'm not a crusader, I said, uh, but I do have question marks, and I have, I have never uh, been dishonest in that regard, and I don't want to be dishonest now. And I said, if, 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 if you go back and tell Rome that... Uh, I have these views, and if 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 they decide that yeah you can't be appointed, uh, that's fine with me. I said, and I certainly treat it all with confidentiality. He didn't seem to take too much of that. He said, you know, he said your clergy uh, certainly wants you as your, as bishop. He said, and uh, and he said we all have uncertainties at times. He said, so I kind of accepted there and then. Now it did cause me some difficulties in later years in my own relationship with Rome. Uh, it did cause some difficulties but uh, but at least I had the comfort, uh, I mean, when I was challenged and as I said I was up front with the nuncio at the time of my appointment and I said I'm not crusading about it. I said but I can't uh, you know I can't be pretending that I don't have some uh, queries and that. so that then of course suddenly I mean uh, when when I told Bishop Harty that I had been called to the nuncio oh, he, he said to me that he was pleased with that 
Uh, but that was the month of June, and he said, I'll probably do until, he said, my plan is 12 months from the autumn. You'll have served 12 months at that stage as co-adjutor, and I will then retire. But suddenly he died suddenly, right. uh, a couple yes. of months afterwards, yeah. before I was ordained bishop. He died suddenly, and uh, I was kind of thrown into the... The past. announcement had been made, though, at that stage, that you were going to be... Oh, it had. Yes. The announcement yeah. had been made, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it had. And uh, the date of ordination had been yes. set. In my dreams, uh, I... I uh, I made sure that the All Ireland was o would be over <laughs> <laughs> if 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 we had the good luck to get there. Uh, I, I I fixed the date for the end of October uh, or the beginning of October. So it went from there uh, for the next sixteen years. Overall, I was happy, and there were a hap overall it was a happy sixteen years. Most of the work was 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 lovely, really, and people were very supportive. A portion of it was terrible, was terrible and heartbreaking. Uh, the whole thing, the scandals uh, that yeah, emerged yeah. and so on, that was heartbreaking. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I, I said to somebody, I shed more tears, I cried more during those 16 years than I did in the previous, you know, 60 years. Yeah. Um, but overall, uh, I thought, again, it was a privilege, uh, serious responsibility, but a privilege. And, uh, you know, and overall, it was a happy experience, uh, I'd say. Uh, and nice to come to the end of it uh, and to pass on the, pass on the task to uh, another person. Uh, so that's that's... That's your <laughs> my scale. <laughs> you, you've just reminded me there, Bishop Willie, of a colleague of mine, um, Pat Kavanagh. He won an All Ireland or two with Kilkenny in his time. Oh, yes. I remember talking to him. We were yes, doing work yes. in Nina, and he said, "You know, he says there's three things important in my life. He says hurling, he says the church, and Fianna Fáil. He says, and sometimes I'm not too sure in what order. You know? yeah. So I see hurling was well up at you there too, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I, I don't know whether I should say this on fair radio. When I was a kid. There were two bad men, Christy Ring and De Valera. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, Bishop Woody, I say I'm the product of, product of a mixed marriage, so you can guess what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> I Politics was never discussed at home between my father yes, and mother. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I, I suppose we have, what, we have a few minutes left, yeah. Bishop. You, you mentioned that you grew up in a, in a, as a conservative, uh, almost, and I suppose we have... In the church, there there has been uh, conservative and liberal wings, not just in the church, but in in all, in politics, in 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 every walk of life. You know, how do you see the the battle or the struggle or the or maybe the, the coming together of a conservative and liberal? I have certain worries about it, certainly, uh, and that there is, uh, I think, to. Uh, Significant extent we have been spared of it. There is some of it within the Irish Church, yes, but there hasn't. Been, there has been a much stronger divide in America 
between the Conservatives and the Liberals. And as you say, Jim, it's reflected in the political sphere as well. I mean, we have countries like uh, Poland, but the extraordinary thing now is that, that uh, you know, Poland is coming out wonderfully out of the the Ukraine thing. They're, they're yeah. coming across as so compassionate. But, but, but their leader, and I've forgotten his name, you know, would be very... Uh, traditional conservative you had Donald Trump in the United States um, you have Hungary and Turkey um, uh, and of course the I would see Brexit has been a very conservative mode move again so there is that division I think across the church I I suppose would tend to identify with the more liberal side uh, but but I mean I'm not a raging liberal either uh, I can see I can see you can see arguments on both sides yeah just this is the old testament well, I don't want to say the old testament but Bishop do you ever see a time will it happen in our lifetime when we see married clergy or uh, women priests I I would be hopeful, Tom, but, yes, but, I but not. I, I wouldn't be. Uh, I think that it's going to take time. I do think that Pope Francis, I suspect that Pope Francis is open to it, uh, but I, I certainly am very uncomfortable with the idea of excluding half the population yes, from... Yes. Uh, full participation in ministry. I'm, I've always been well for a long time. I've been uncomfortable with that. I would hope that it would change sometime. The same. I mean, we have the beginnings, I suppose, of married clergy, but uh, but we haven't really faced up to it fully. Uh, I th I can't see. I mean, there's no doubt there is not any necessary link between priesthood. And celibacy. So that's yeah. how I feel about it. Okay. Listen, we're coming to the end of, of the time we have this morning, Bishop. Um, we could bring you back another day because there's so many areas uh, maybe that we haven't got into. And looking forward, I mean, today was looking back at your career yeah. and yeah. It's, it was so interesting. Um, and, and we are delighted to, to have you here and um, we'd love to maybe ask you back again to uh, just to have a chat about uh, where you know where we go from here thank you very much uh, Jim um, and Tom yeah. maybe I've been talking too much through no, this no, but, uh, no, 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 we're, but, uh, we're prepared to listen more delighted I'd be happy yeah. I'm always happy to, yeah. To, yeah. to meet people somehow I've been very I think people have been kind to me and, and uh, I'm always happy to meet them. Okay, so Bishop Willie Walsh, many thanks for coming out this morning and Thank talking you. to us here and we look forward to having you back again. Thank you. And Thank if you, you feel as well as you're looking, you know, you're in great form. <laughs> <laughs>